Oh, even now, 75 years on, that gets me going. A great choice by Quillier, sound engineer there. Um, because uh, in the studio with me, of course, is distinguished criminologist uh, and criminal law lecturer John O'Keefe, who is in week two of the series on the seven deadly sins, picking lust. Yes. Now, what have you got to say about this other than the obvious? Well, I don't want to dampen your enthusiasm after that particular tune, but I'm just about to with Corinthians chapter 6, <laughs> verses 9 to 10. Do you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God, which by my reckoning probably rules out 95% of this country. But certainly in, in biblical times, lust was taken very, very seriously, don't you know? Yeah, and inordinate craving for the pleasures of the body. I mean, it's still the same nowadays, but in those days, if you practice it, you would be smothered in fire and brimstone, not kisses. Well, of course, the Greeks and the Romans were a bit lusty, weren't they? They were a bit lusty, and they, they, they had a whole set of imagery as well around these seven deadly sins, which we're talking about these few weeks. But lust it was a particularly interesting. Last week we did wrath, and the image, the animal allegory beside that is, is a lion, which is fine. I'm afraid for lust, it's a goat. Um, now, the cooler side of that goat is traditionally Bacchus um, was the party's sex god. Um, and uh, the goat was associated with that. But, of course, there is another more modern phrase, which is not very pleasing. But, but it, there was another fellow around Dan who was half human, half goat, no? You probably, yes. He was involved in this kind of stuff as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it seems to be anything to do with the goat involves lust or sexual passion. I don't know where that comes from. But, of course, we know the phrase a horny old goat. And uh, maybe that's where it comes from. But, but is lust, um, it, because all these people who can't get into the kingdom of heaven, lust is not entirely sexual then. In it's not sense. entirely sexual. It, traditionally, certainly as regards the seven deadly sins, it was almost exclusively meant as a sexual passion. Though, of course, you can lust. You can lust for anything. Uh, and the traditional well, lust for power. Well, you can lust for anything: for power, for women, for cars, for I don't know, for radio shows. You name it. Uh, lust is all out there. I think the more interesting one, though, is the sexual side of it. Uh, the sure cure. It well, indeed, the cure traditionally was, of course, chastity uh, or self-control. So you controlled your pas- passions by leverage that energy for the good of others. Now, I'll give you a little anecdote here because I have personal experience of that leveraging. Um, and so have I, so we'll swap anecdotes. Okay, well, this one's not going to be like yours. Um, the, the idea of lustful passions being redirected elsewhere is something I'm familiar with on a personal level because uh, 35 years ago this year, I took holy orders and joined the priesthood. You didn't oh, know that. I did not no, know No, and uh, we had a psychological assessment. I used very large quotes of that before we went in. And one of them, I remember, was a nun. And she'd said to me, John, what are you going to do about your lustful passions? Or words that, which I was a bit surprised at because I thought she knew something specifically. <laughs> uh, and I said, well, the whole idea is that I'm going to be a bride of Christ and I will redirect my energies elsewhere. She said, fine, thank you very much. That's perfect. Which was the answer we were all told to say. So um, I suppose the idea of that hasn't gone away maybe in the church, but certainly in those days, if, if you were with God, your passion was redirected. And that's right. where certainly Christianity tends to come Okay, from. well, my anecdote is religious also. The Presentation Brothers, when we were at school, mm. the Presentation Brothers, particularly in the shape of, of my great mentor, Brother Athanasius, uh, Brother Athanasius would say, when you get that feeling... 
go and clean your bike. <laughs> go and clean your bike. Yeah, I just hadn't heard that one before. I suppose that is it. So a, we a used sure to clean. I see quite clean, clean bikes down in Cork. I, I'd well, imagine. I had the cleanest bike. In I was going to say yours must have been spotless. <laughs> um, but I, mean, I want to play one for you about Lost. This is the great Luster of U.S. presidential history, in my view. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. Well, uh, that, of course, was the great Bill Clinton saying he didn't have sexual relations with Monica Lewinsky. But his entire career was bedeviled by allegations of lust. Yeah, of course, and he wasn't the only president, Kennedy and others as well. No, no, I know that. But if you go all the way back, I think it was the New Hampshire primary. His entire thing nearly got derailed at that point. Yes, it can do. And it depends, I suppose, on the time you're living in as to how the particular society is going to view your lustful desires. In Ireland, I'm not so sure we, we, we care too much about politicians and their lustful desires. I mean, of course, the Victorians pretended it didn't exist. And today we pretend that nothing else exists. We don't seem to be able to talk um, about anything else. Sadomasochism is, is the new normal, if you will. Uh, Forty Shades and all the rest of it have stretched those um, boundaries uh, further out. I mean, I'm somewhat bemused by the fact that it's completely normal or not unusual for men and indeed women to send pictures of themselves. That's the nicest way I can put it to each other. Um, as a sort of a simian-like mating game. I mean, uh, back in the day, you know, you were you were down in Cortan with your mammy and you sent your girlfriend a picture with, uh, you know, uh, holding a roll-up poster of hard pop icon Slade. And that was probably as far as it went. But nowadays, it seems to be the over-sexualization has, I would suggest, gone a little bit beyond control. Although that's interesting. You, you, I don't know how you sent a picture to your girlfriend because not many of us had cameras when I was that age. But there was also the thing of which was called the British Seaside Saucy Postcard. And instead of having a postcard of Blackpool Beach, you had a picture of mm. you know, some sort of scantily clad, busty, blonde, in sort of cartoon rather than picture. And you said, having a great time in Blackpool. Yeah, George. I think that that was definitely a more British thing, though, wasn't it? That was that, a British yeah, thing. I mean, yeah. uh, it may have been done in Ireland, but if, no, you look no, at those post, if you look at those postcards now, they are not in the same league as sending pictures of yourself no. uh, to a girlfriend or a woman you've just met the no. night before. Right. I, I, they just stay with postcards. Of course, there was a company called John Hind, I think mm. it was, that, that created an absolute industry of pictures of Ireland. Yeah, they did. And, uh, and and there was nothing lustful in those except maybe lust for the green, green grass of home. But lust is, is uh, today in Ireland, uh, to me, as a criminologist and a criminal psychologist, it's, v- it's very ugly. Um, is it? Yeah, I think so. I think we're running a breakneck speed to, to distance the idea of lust and sex from the idea of connectivity to a person. And, and those C's, the C word is what we say sometimes in criminology, you know, that, uh, uh, for instance, sex offenders typically view lust and sex as consumerism. They are consumers, they buy it, and without the person's permission, of course, and then they dis- discard but, but it. But it is- connectivity is what most, hopefully, of the male population of this country hope to gain from lustful or sexual experience in the main. And that's the big difference. Sometimes we like to call that but, love. But, but love must um, must be more powerful now because there are greater incidents of rape. So therefore, they, are they not? I mean, as a criminologist, there's something strange about somebody who would who would rape somebody, which is, is such a brutal assault on them. Is that because there's more? 
um, newspaper articles about it now? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, all crime has come down in the last hundred years. That's a matter of fact around the world, certainly around the first world. And, uh, and, and sexual crimes is no different. If we look back over the last 10, 15 years, violent crime appears to have risen, including sexual crime. But of course, sexual crime is not necessarily about sex. Very often it can be about, about control and empowerment um, of the individual. But as lust becomes the word, I think, of this decade, there is a shift where in order to protect the fragile uh, and emotional templates of hipster men, and I suppose, and women, um, they contrive to deal with sex in this kind of detached, meaningless way. And I think, uh, to coin a phrase from last week, we really are on uh, the road to hell on a handcart by doing that, without wishing to sound too too right-wing about it, but we do need to connect with people we have sex with, ideally, uh, certainly if you don't want to go down the criminological road. All right, but last week we did wrath, this week we do lust. There are seven deadly sins now, or cardinal sins that are known as. If they were considered to be so deleterious, not just to your your immortal soul as such, Mm. but deleterious to your life generally, wasn't Mm -hmm. that so? Yeah, that's right. Well, lust lust was at the bottom of the pile. Lust was the least um, worrying cardinal sin, and in all the lists that you'll see, in all the tracks, lust was lust. I think Dante described it um, as 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 little little more than. Disordered love for an individual. You know, it was it, well, it was important, but not that important. Pride kept going up to the top. But for me, I honestly think, you know, when we look at society today, this huge tolerance of the over-sexualization of children, boys, boys and girls, um, and adolescence, of course, going now from the age of 13 to 25. We know the brain hasn't matured until, until 25. Um, so it could be until your mid-20s that these kids cognitively understand what's been going on to them, and yet they've had a whole decade of this over-sexualization. Uh, well, of course, you can download John O'Keefe's podcast by going to newstalk.com forward slash the right hook. Uh, we've two in the can, Roth and Lost. Where are we going next week? I thought we might go to Sloth. You have a strange way of pronouncing that. Uh, you see, that's the money that lies behind me, George. I always thought it was Sloth. Well, we do both next week. We'll see what, we'll see what comes out in the wash. All right. This is laziness. Yeah, absolutely. Right? All right. The country's replete with it. Next week, criminologist, criminal law lecturer John O'Keefe on the seven deadly sins.